here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Aaron Bentley, and I am joined, as always, by my good friend, Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? Hey, y'all. It's your old pal, Mike Spears. We are now 72 hours from Double or Nothing, so kind of stoked about that. I'm flying out early on Friday very early and then i get a nice 48 hours in las vegas gonna go to the show kind of stoked about the show gonna see some folks my brother's gonna be out there hopefully i can get up with the street fight boys and some of our other friends and you know there's gonna be i'll be some creating some content out there so everyone look forward to that something might be hitting your podcast feed uh i would say saturday night sunday morning but yeah i'm doing all right av how are you doing i'm doing great a uh, long day, a lot of work, but I'm ready to talk about this. I'm excited. There, there might actually be some wrestling going on. Nate, are you excited? We're joined by Nate, of course, aka Epitasis. Are you excited about wrestling or bummed that wrestling is going to happen? <laughs> I think I'm actually excited because um, it's going to be live. It's going to be live wrestling, and that's the live element is what is good about wrestling to me. So that we might actually have a pay-per-view event here in the year of our Lord, 2019, where you get the boys together or the girls together or the people together and sit down on the couch and have the live telecast on your screen. It's all happening and it's bright and shiny. Uh, I'm actually getting somewhat hyped for that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm ready to, you know, get through all this content we've got to discuss today and get ready to watch the fucking show. It occurred to me a couple of days ago that I've agreed to go visit my mother for the holiday weekend. And so uh, she spends a lot of time on the weekends in her uh, camper that's on a lake. And so I guess that's where I'm going to be watching the show. <laughs> Good planning. I've, I've confirmed that uh, there's a hotspot that I can use uh, for internet access, uh, but should be interesting. So I'm sure I'll make a lot of funny, uh, they won't be funny, a lot of tweets that aren't funny at all uh, that you can find. At the Everything AEW account, or more likely at my account, at Aaron Like the Car. Make sure you're following both of those. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you can get the fresh stuff that Mike's going to put out uh, from Vegas as long as everything goes according to plan. You can subscribe to our just our feed, our independent feed, or you can subscribe and get our feed along with the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network, and that'll come with all the other podcasts on the network. If you're listening on iTunes, Make sure that you leave a rating and review five stars. We would appreciate it very much. I already mentioned my Twitter at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. I'm sure we will all have takes on the night of Double or Nothing, as long as I actually can access internet from rural Virginia. We will find out. 
All right, here's what we're going to do on this episode. We're basically just going to preview Double or Nothing. We are going to talk a little bit about labor, which if you're an old Everything Evolves head, you know that that's a lot of what Aaron Taub and I used to do, talk a lot about labor. We promised there would be some labor talk on this show. There hasn't been much, but there was some interesting stuff this past week from the Bleacher Report article about AEW. So we're going to talk about that. And then, of course, Nate will give us the BTE recap from this week. We should say we're recording this on Wednesday night. There is going to be another Being the Elite on Thursday. Sorry that we won't be able to recap that one for you. Uh, If it is still relevant next week, I'm sure Nate will break it down. So let's jump into the Double or Nothing preview. We're going to start from the pre-show with the Casino Battle Royale. This will be on The Buy-In, which will start at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and is available at youtube.com slash all elite wrestling. Here are the confirmed entrants. I should say, if you don't know, if you're checking this out because you are interested in the show, but you don't know everything that's going on, Casino Battle Royale, 21 entrants, coming in five at a time, and then there will be one last person who will come out. Lucky number 21. The winner, we just found out today, will get a shot to win the AEW World Championship against the winner of the main event of this show, Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho, which we'll talk about later. We only know 17 of the entrants so far. Brandon Cutler, Glacier, Sonny Kiss, Ace Romero, Sonny Days, Brian Pillman Jr., MJF, Joey Janela, Dustin Thomas, Billy Gunn, Jimmy Havoc, Michael Nakazawa, Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus, Isaiah Kennedy, Mark Quinn, Isaiah and Cassidy. Sean Spears. What's that? Isaiah Cassidy. What did I say? Kennedy. Damn. Isaiah Cassidy. Sorry. It was going so well. 17 people. That leaves uh, four open spots. So, Nate, let's two questions. One, what do you think about the step? And two, who do you think is going to show up? So I think the Battle Royale, Battle Royale construction is uh, pretty fun, and I like that they made it their own thing already. Um, the step that the winner of this match is now getting a shot to be the first AEW champion, I think is obviously a reflection of them having to change the Pac match, uh, which I'm sure we'll discuss in, in detail later as well. Um, but not a huge fan of that. It's a little... Um, arbitrary and not super sportsy to have like a wacky pre-show pre-show battle royale uh you know determine who's going to be uh one of your potential champions um but you know i I have to imagine that the original plan was to have it be Pac versus page the winner of that match going on to face the winner of omega versus jericho uh and that you know makes a lot more sense to me because you've got established former champions in a sort of mini tournament format okay Um, but let me let me stop you briefly okay wouldn't that be just as arbitrary? Isn't it just like, okay, the winners of these two singles no, matches? No, because it's two singles matches, and singles matches are more legitimate a uh, determinant of who's the better wrestler than a battle royale. Sure, but it's not a tournament or something like sports. It's a four-man tournament. Yeah, is it? Is yeah, it? It would have been. Well, they've also, in the when they talked about this on the road to Double or Nothing, they explicitly used the term eliminator which is a big boxing term that they would have like like championship eliminators whenever a title is up for grabs or trying to decide who the next contender is. So I guess they're trying to go sports sportsy in that way. So they're trying to do that, I guess. Like, And then one-on-one is more of a traditional eliminator format. 
That's cool. I like using the boxing terminology. Um, I think, you know, hopefully this is going to have sort of that big fight feel because it's in Vegas at the MGM Grand and everything. And if you can borrow from that presentation and that vibe, I think that's awesome. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a goofy pro wrestling battle royale. Um, if you're going straight sports, then this would not determine one of the two competitors in your championship match. But again, I think this was an 11th hour fixed by them, so I'm not going to come down on it real hard. But, you know, like New Japan would not do this with the Rambo or something like that. I think that's um, not controversial to say. But as for who we think is the surprise, um, you know, now we know that whoever wins this match has to be a drawing star who can wrestle. Can it's you make it Chris Jericho? Right. It's Sorry? nobody that's been announced. No, it's nobody that's been announced. I think it's probably John Moxley coming out at 21, winning the match, and then wrestling Kenny Omega probably in Chicago. Um, but, you know, that that would be my guess. Um, you know, who are the other surprise people that it could be? You know, CM Punk, uh, I think, has a MMA uh, commentary booking on the same evening. Um, he would be the other big name out there. Uh, those are the two that I've got. Austin Gunn. I mean, he could always be there since his dad's a part of it. <laughs> That'd be big. I don't know. I, I really, I mean, the scene is such that there's not a lot of big indie guys. We know that Goldberg isn't coming. We know Batista isn't coming. So, yeah, it kind of gets down to Mox and uh, and Punk. And I, I don't think Punk is showing up. Uh, Rick Patino voice, CM Punk <laughs> is not walking through that door. I This is popping my head. Darby. Sure. But I don't think he would be someone you would put immediately in your top title feud. So Darby is an interesting one because we know he's in town. Mm-hmm. We know he's involved in the promotion. We're talking about Darby Allen, if you're not uh, familiar. Um, but I think Nate and I discussed this on a previous show that we all kind of agreed. I, Mike, I think you agreed too that he's probably just not big enough to... Yeah. Be like number 21. Yeah, no, that's fair. I'm just saying that, that down in the building. Yeah, but if there's extra surprises there, I mean, who's to say he can't come out with like the spades or the clubs or yeah. the diamonds? Sure. But no, you're absolutely. I, I think like uh, worst case scenario, Darby is coming out after the Cody Dustin match to confront Cody because we already know that Darby and Cody are wrestling mm-hmm. later. I've, you know, I can't remember the other shows, but I know they have a match scheduled. So I think it's at Fighter Fest, but I'm not going to say that because apparently I was very wrong before. <laughs> so but it would be weird for we Darby. Back in the interim, we did not look up the future no, show the cards. Bad. No. Uh, so it, it would be weird for Darby to be in town, be part of this promotion, and not be on this show at all. So I wouldn't be shocked if he comes out. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's got to be Moxley. Um, so there now I've set the expectation for everyone listening to this. So it's my fault if it's not Moxley and everyone's disappointed. Um, but yeah, you know, 21 has to be a star. It has to be a star that can draw on pay-per-view, draw to an arena, um, and win the match so they can, you know, be a potential first heavyweight title winner. I don't know who else there is on the table. Unless it's like, I mean, you want to go full galaxy brain, like somebody that's signed elsewhere. At this point in time, seems very unlikely. Lay it on us. I, I mean, I don't really have a name in mind, but uh, you know, uh, the, the cons when when the promotion first started, or when this podcast first started, we talked about hey, the kinds of people who would have the potential to have the money to challenge a WWE lawsuit or to challenge the WWE on the basis of their 
independent contractor contracts and freezing people out of contracts and shit like that. So, you know, if you're going to one up WCW Nitro and Lex Luger walking out, having somebody who's still actually under WWE contract would be the true mind blowing shit. Wow. I think that's extremely <laughs> unlikely. What a take. That's like the, the pipe dream of, you know, uh, pro wrestling really is that, I don't know, Sasha Banks fucking walks out and is like, yeah, I don't care if they're going to sue me and we're going to sue him back and it's going to be held up in court for the next 16 months. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's, I, I just don't know who else is a star besides Moxley outside chat. It's a punk. Um, you know, if Luke Harper's feeling spicy, maybe he shows up and he's like, Hey, you know, you're going to freeze me out of my contract. And, you know, even though I want to release, well, I got my boy Mookie here and you're going to sue me about it. Then I'm going to, you know, defend the lawsuit. I don't know. The only other people I could think of, uh, Austin Aries. I don't think he's under contract anywhere. He's not to my knowledge. Uh, and, they just announced it for MLW, but that doesn't really mean anything. Right, those are fake. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> EJ Perkins. Okay. I mean, neither of those would excite me. I'm just thinking of other. There have yeah. to be other wrestlers that we can think of. Uh, Nick Gage is in town. Nick Gage is in town. That would that would be amazing, honestly. The, I the, mean, the thing I worry about a little bit with this match is if guys are going to be walking to the ring in a group of five or if they're going to get like a little staggered entrance to themselves. Um, just because it's going to ruin a little bit of the fun if Nick Gage is the third guy just in a group of five and like, oh, yeah. there's Nick Gage. And then he's in there, you know, throwing his strikes to somebody sitting in a in the corner. Is David Starr signed anywhere? No, he is independent. Read the shirt. Right. So, I mean. Your tights and sing the song. <laughs> David Starr. But we're, again, we're talking about good wrestlers, but not guys who are going to get a huge pop mainstream draws yeah right we need uh we need someone who's gonna really move tickets for a match with kenny omega in chicago or theoretically chris jericho yeah i i think another thing to consider when we're talking about this potential 21st person as well is i'm assuming this is going after the other buy-in match yeah i assumed that too but i didn't want to correct uh ab yeah i i'm I'm just guessing that that's the case. And so you want that number 21 person to come in there and go like, wow, so-and-so is here. I wasn't going to buy the show ahead of time, but now that I saw this person here, I'm going to impulse buy. So having someone like the this is another piece of evidence I'd feel like for John Moxley, like him showing up on a stream and the people are suddenly like, okay, I guess I'm going to have to log on to BR Live or pull up my cable box and do that. So I feel like that that's, something worth considering i also want to note and i don't think this person would be a 21st if anything this is going to be someone that comes out and when when the other suits is played i there were some more invitations from owe kids to come to vegas i don't know the status of that at all but we talked about that on a previous episode so there could be a uh, owe chinese student there too and I was hoping that Jordan Grace would show up in this match, but did, it was reported this week that she has signed a long-term contract with Impact Wrestling and specifically mentioned that she spoke with AEW but decided to stick with Impact. So no Jordan Grace. Do we want to, uh, you know, they did like a Twitter announcement of Sean Spears being in the match and presumably in the promotion. Um, I think we talked about him a fair amount when he was like a potential guy and he was a guy that got released by the WWE. Um, do we have any new thoughts on the king, the ten of diamonds, Sean Spears? Uh, I don't like. I think I don't want to steal 
friend of the show, Kara's thoughts, but I think he's a great mid card comedy guy and he's a very solid wrestler. So I, I, as long as they keep him in that part of the card, I think he'll be perfect. Uh, but I hope he doesn't end up over push. So here's my, I, I think they were smart to get that announcement out now and do like a little vignette for him. Cause there's probably not going to be room to do that for him in the battle Royal. And there's also going to be these other surprises. So he would be somebody that's going to be overshadowed by like a John Moxley, obviously. Um, so I think that was like a, a smart little play. Like, Hey, we'll give him a little shine here and have the vignette push the 10 thing. Um, but you know, on, on the day of, I, I don't expect he's going to be breaking out of this match or anything. Oh God. What if they think he could headline? Oh boy. No, they don't. <laughs> That'd be so bad. Yeah. My opinion stands that I'm very mad that he's under his Sean Spears name. Cause that's going to kill my SEO. Whenever you search AEW and Spears, now the podcast won't show up and y'all should be angry about this too. I guess we didn't actually say that this is Ty Dillinger, did we? Yeah. No, we didn't. Formerly known as Ty Dillinger. Yes. Ty Dillinger. So there you go. That's the Casino Battle Royale. Yes, that will go on second. And let's pretend that the reason I talked about it first was I thought it would be a more interesting open to the show than the other pre-show match. Sammy Guevara versus Kip Sabian. Any thoughts on this one, Nate? Uh, I like Sammy a lot. I'm like the big Sammy stan on this podcast and on Twitter, maybe even. Um, but he's just got super confidence and does crazy dives outside the ring and into the crowd. And that's all you need to be good, in my opinion. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I don't I, have, I don't know that I've ever seen a Kip Sabian match um, since this will probably be before the Battle Royale. They've got some pressure there to <laughs> this is going to be the first official AEW match that didn't happen in China or uh, at WrestleGate Pro. So, you know, some pressure there to deliver. Hey, you know, let's see what these guys have got and therefore see what the promotion has got. Um, so I hope they live up to that. But, you know, with Guevara there, I don't I don't think that phases him. I think he uh, believes that he can, you know, go all the way to the top. So, yeah, I, I kind of echo Nate's feelings here. I've not seen Kip Sabian before. I feel like on the uh, content they have of him, they've built him up pretty well. But Sammy is someone that although in the United States, he hasn't necessarily gotten the huge spot. He's done it before. I mean, he's been in AAA pretty much for the last year or so. He was their cruiserweight champion. I don't think he is that anymore. And yeah, this is going to be what I hope would be just be a full out sprint for this. And then I wrote a preview that's going to go up on Voices of Wrestling tomorrow. So Thursday, that's going to talk about this. And then it's pretty clear that Sammy's going to be one of the people that they focused on if being the elite is any indication. So I, I have to go Sammy on this. All right. I don't want to be repetitive. I, I think Sammy's going to be the winner, but uh, I don't want to repeat what you all said. So are we, are we doing winner predictions? I didn't. Uh, do you want to? I presume Sammy wins. Okay, we can. If, well, uh, you guys started in on it, so we did to fit in here. AT and I stopped doing those because we were so often wrong. So fair point. We can try it on the first show. Let's see what happens. So, yes, I will go with Sammy Guevara. And I guess we're all go. I mean, we're all going with whoever is number twenty-one for the battle royale, right? Yes, number twenty-one wins. Yep, Pre- presumably Moxley, but mm-hmm. whoever yeah, it is, that's my either Moxley or Finn Balor breaking his WWE contract and <laughs> throwing the world into chaos. I wish Rick Rude were alive so that we could joke that it would be Rick Rude. That would be great. R.I.P. to a, a real one. 
Starting off the actual show, the main card is the Joshi six-woman match. Aja Kong, Yuka Sakazaki, and Emi Sakura versus Hikaru Shida, Riho, and Ryo Mizunami. Mike mentioned the VOW preview that he did. I uh, pinch hit just for this match. And you helped me out there. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little help. Uh, really, it was more just a, a primer so everybody could kind of know where these people were coming from. Mm -hmm. I hope that would be helpful. Obviously, uh, if you've listened to the show before, you know that this is probably the match I'm most excited for on this card. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I think that they're going to get plenty of time because Kenny is a supporter of Joshi. You know, this is basically his hand-picked match. I think he's going to make sure that they get the time. And I'm guessing they're going to go all out and be nuts and uh, going to convert a lot of Joshi fans on this night. Mike? Yeah, I think it's something that when you have someone like Aja Kong and then Emi Sakura on one side, I think those are like the perfect people to have in this, especially if this is going to be the cruiserweight division. And it's kind of funny to me that they're doing this like openly like the cruiserweight division when you have someone like Shima who was supposed to be a part of the WCW 2000 cruiserweight division on this show. Hikaru Shida is probably my pick for if anyone outside of Kylie Ray is going to become like the breakout women's star, I feel like it would be Sheeta. And I'm just stoked about it. I mean, I, I've watched a bunch of Asha Kong matches, so I'm really excited to see the legend in person. Yeah, I uh, talked about this a little bit last week um, when it would, the match was announced. Um, I am hoping that they get the time necessary to get this match over and hoping that the you know crowd is along for the ride. Um, I guess if I'm going to pick somebody to break out here, it's probably going to be Yuka Sakazaki because she's got the high flying moves and the taupe to the outside and everything that, you know, your, your more casual fans are going to go for. Um, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm hoping this delivers. I'm, I'm really rooting for this match. And yeah, if, if you're Mike was referring to with the cruiserweight stuff that, you know, the indication is that the, this women's division and in particular having the Joshi style on these AEW shows is, uh, you know, looking to be a hallmark of AEW's branding, I guess. And they're trying to make this sort of the uh, WCW cruiserweight division to set them apart from the competition. And if I've got to pick a winner, I'm picking the Hikaru Shida team. Hikaru Shida is the only one of these six women who has a baked in long-term deal, as far as we know, with AEW. And I expect them to give her a little push. And so uh, I figure she'll get the fall here. Yeah, I think that's a safe prediction. I'm also going to predict that Aja Kong hits somebody with her metal box thing. Sure. Do, do we know what the metal box is? Because that's always kind of confused me. Because no, these, uh, you know, it's kind of like those boxes in Dragon Gate. I don't okay. really get an idea of what's going on there. That you know, maybe they're <laughs> boxes that are more common in Japanese culture. Oh, oh no, the box was just them being jerks in Dragon Gate. So if it's Asha Kong just wanting to hit someone with something that has a loud bang on it, I'm okay with that. Could be. I should be clear that we don't actually know that this is going to be the opener. I was yeah. going to ask that as well, yeah. We don't have a rundown of the card. Mm -hmm. uh, this is just, I don't know, the order I found the matches in. So Because the next match I don't anticipate is going to be back-to-back -back with the Joshi match. But it is the women's three-way Dr. Britt Baker versus Kylie Ray versus Nyla Rose. I would like to note that Dr. Britt Baker has taken DDS off the end of her name, which I ranted about on an early episode of the show. <laughs> so Dr. Britt Baker outed as an Everything Elite listener. Hey, people listen to us, I guess. They do. They do. The story of this match 
as told on this week's Road to Double or Nothing. Her Twitter yeah. account still says Dr. Britt Baker DMD. Or I said DDS like she's yeah. Isaac Yankum. Sorry. Um, so I, I'm thinking that's just from wherever you took this card from. Hmm. Okay. Uh, the story of the match from Road to Double or Nothing this week is that Brandy has called, or with Britt Baker, she did it in person, each of these women and told them that everyone in AEW thinks they're the one who should win the match. When she said it to Britt Baker, uh, Nate mentioned this on a previous show, it almost sounded a little like, is this like we've picked you to win the match, like a shoot? Or was it more like kayfabe, like we think you ought to win? It felt a little more like worky on this one. Like, we think you're going to win the match. Uh, so you know, I don't know. But basically, she's trying to gas everybody up, but also maybe play them against each other. Brandy's like a weird uh, puppet master in the women's division. Uh, but we'll see how that all plays out in the ring. Yeah, I think uh, Britt does win this. She was the one they took to upfronts. She's the one they've given the highlight segments on BTE or Road 2, one of the two. Um, and she's the one they're sort of pushing is, wow, you know, this is an intelligent, successful, professional woman who also is like kicking ass in pro wrestling. Um, that's like an easy sell for, you know, having her featured in me media appearances or whatever it is. So I think she's going to get the strong push out of the gate. Um, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, Nyla Rose in particular because she's the one of these three that I have not seen work before. So I'm looking to you know hopefully see some of her signature spots and see what she's got in store for us. See, that's why I think Nyla Rose is going to win this match because I feel like that she is this the person that can be built up, kind of like you have Asha Kong there and you also have her there and. She's going to be there for a while, and she's someone that people don't necessarily know. So giving her a big, strong win off the bat against who would be, assumedly, the big faces in the division and Kylie Ray and Dr. Britt Baker, I feel like that would be a good move to kind of start building the division. And then you could have the idea of that she is someone that they both are trying to see who could be the first one to take her down or someone like B Priestley or anyone really in the division. I feel like that if anyone should be like built up on this match, I feel like it should be her first. Then you can come back with uh Britt Baker and Kylie Ray. Very interesting. Like I like the idea you have, like you make Nyla Rose very strong and then you have the baby faces chase her. Yeah. Uh, fascinating. I like that. I, I do. So I'm sorry. I'm going to side with Nate that I think Britt Baker wins the match, but you're right. You can also just make her very sympathetic in this match. She can still come out as like, the star of the division, even if she doesn't win the match. So that makes sense. I, I think either way, it's a mistake if Kylie Ray isn't the focus of this division. I think that's the wrong way to go. I don't think uh, Britt Baker is as good in the ring as Kylie Ray is or as sympathetic of a character, but it's early. Uh, I don't want to sound like a WWE stand, but let's just see it play out. Let's see what happens. All right, next match on my run sheet anyway, the best friends, Chucky e. T. Trent Beretta take on Angelico and Jack Evans in a match that is, uh, I don't know, sure to feature a lot of like flying stuff, I guess. I don't know. The best friends don't fly that much, but I'm sure that Angelico and Jack Evans will. Uh, yeah. I, I'm, Nate, I'm, anybody, I'm, whoever. Well, I was going to, maybe we'll get some of those new age Trent Beretta bumps in here. Oh, that'd be fun. Um, I don't really know. I don't think these guys have ever wrestled in a straight tag match before, to my knowledge. I'm sure it would have been in PWG had it happened, and I yeah. don't recall it happening there. Um, 
but yeah, you know, I, I, these are all guys I like, but I don't particularly, uh, peak super high for their matches, I guess. So this will be, I think this is probably the genuine opener to the card. Um, it's like a, Hey, you know, if there's an undercard here, there's not going to be wacky shit, like putting the world title match in your first match of the show. So I think this is like your undercard warm up match to be like, here's some hot action with some, uh, talented young people. And this is what's going to sort of prime you for the rest of the show. Yeah. I think that placement is pretty solid having them open, especially when you have folks like Chuck and Trent and Jack also who can work comedy in a way. I mean, I Jack Evans is what low key one of the better comedy workers in the world. Like what, like his run in PWG where he just became a very braggadocious heel and it kind of carried over to Luch underground AAA is really great. I think that this is, this is a match really that, this is could be a big chance to get someone or a tag team like Angelico and Jack Evans over on a large stage because the best friends, they'll be here. They're not going to go anywhere. They're known quantities. They could take losses and it'll be okay. But I feel like having an opportunity with someone like Chuck Taylor, who low key is someone who's done Lucha training, who has been a great base for Luchadors for a long time up there with, and Helico and Jack Evans too. And Helico does like a couple big dives, but for Jack Evans, letting him like pull off some crazy shit, I think that having them in this match actually could bring this match out from being just kind of an okay opener to just letting them just go out there and just do a wild stuff. And who knows, maybe Chuck will have another psychological break and start throwing chairs in the ring. Who knows? I thought you were saying that either Jack Evans or Low Key were the best comedy wrestlers. No, I, no, I said Low Key. <laughs> Maybe I should said understated or like unappreciated. You can no. appreciate my confusion. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I guess so. I don't really have a feel for who's going to win this match. Uh, I think what you're saying makes sense, Mike. But it's weird for me in that these are two teams that I'm familiar with, and I kind of understand their familiarity within like the independent wrestling scene and among uh, fans like us, but they are, this company is trying to introduce all four of these guys and, and almost everybody on this card to a new audience, right? They kind of have to assume that a lot of people watching on pay-per-view at least may not know who these guys are. So it's kind of interesting to me of how they balance that and how they decide who to push and who to focus and uh, everything. And so I, I really don't know how I think this match is going to go. Yeah, that's a good point. We're going to see, you know, I don't think this is going to be a full speed, uh, you know, uh, PWG style wrestling show up and down the card. Like there's going to be heavier focus on giving maybe a couple people on a match and uh, some particular shine, you know, and getting their spots over and, you know, establishing what makes a, a handful of people special, maybe. Um so that that is going to be interesting to see. We're we're probably you know if they if they agent and book it well, then we're going to have an idea coming out of this. Who are going to be the real focus points going forward? Okay, the next match. I guess we're also predicting this. This is actually what I expect to be the opening match, and it, that's SoCal Uncensored. That's Christopher Daniels, Frankie Gazarian, and Scorpio Sky versus Shima, T Hawk, and L Lindeman. And the reason I think it's going to be the opening match is. We already saw SCU open up all in. And I think this is a match where you can see Shima and T Hawk and L Lindeman really do some crazy 
it's not the same as having the OWE guys in, but they can still do some acrobatics. So I, I think they could uh, do that to kind of heat up the crowd off the top. And it uh, wouldn't surprise me. I mean, we know how over SCU is, and they're going to be crazy over in the building. So it wouldn't surprise me to see this as uh, the opener. Yeah, I would. Uh, I don't know if you've stated the match. It's uh, SoCal Uncensored versus the OWE team of Shima, T-Hawk, and L. Lindemann. Um, I would have agreed with you if it were the uh, OWE original guys like your A. Benz and Mr. Cool T and, you know, the the real Kung Fu, Kung Fu Pro Wrestling guys that we've seen in, you know, their viral videos and shit. Um, but I don't know that T-Hawk and L. Lindemann have that sort of blow away, fresh, you know, insane spot stuff that those OWE guys were getting over online. So I don't know if that's going to be the case here. Um, that being said, I am super hyped for this match because I just think it's dope to have T-Hawk and L. Lindemann in a featured match on an American pay-per-view in a sold-out Las Vegas arena. That's like, you know, you can't you can't have imagined this stuff. We really actually kind of take it for granted how crazy it is that this show and this card is happening. Oh, absolutely. And especially for me being the huge Dragon System person, I haven't seen Shima live in about four or five years, and I've never seen T-Hawk and L. Lindemann live. So the fact that L. Lindemann, all five-foot, two-inch judo wizard L. Lindemann, is going to be at the, at the MGM Grand Garden Arena just blows my mind. And I, I think a big thing is, as you are saying, Nate, these T-Hawk and L. Lindemann – the, the trio are more known as strong hearts rather than OWE, but strong hearts. Probably Shima is the biggest flyer out of all of them because T-Hawk is, at least with Dragon System Wise, he was a surprisingly tall guy. Like he might be the tallest guy in this match. And El Lindemann comes from a judo background and he's really great at playing like a very annoying little prick heel. And T-Hawk is just, he is a huge strike master. I wonder which one of the three members of SCU are going to get their chest like bloodied up because he has some of the more brutal looking chops I've ever seen. And then Shima, I mean, let's call a spade a spade. Shima is an outright legend and he is one of the smartest people in the wrestling industry. He managed to pick out a lot of the people that WWE poached later, like Ricochet, like Sami Zayn, like Pac. And he oh, knows you, you forgot Apollo Crews somehow. How did Apollo you forget Cruz. Apollo Crews? <laughs> but uh, yeah, like, and for Shima and uh, Christopher Daniels, they teamed together over 20 years ago in Michinoku Pro. Just like wrap your head around that. Like these are two guys that were in little halls in Northeast, Northeast Japan doing Curry Man and 20-year-old Shima matches. It's just wild to me. Like, this is the match I'm most looking forward to, and that's probably why I've gone on about this match for as long as I did. But I'm really stoked for this. I'm I'm a little bummed by not seeing OWE kids, but the chance of seeing T-Hawk and Lindemann in person and just seeing, like, a Lindemann throw people around is stuff that I'm extremely here for. Who can take the fall here, Mike? I think that, uh, I think that Strongheart takes the fall, and I think it's probably T-Hawk in the fall on Kazarian. If I'm going to take a guess, interesting. Just, just because T Hawk has been Shima's guy since debut, and he's now gotten really over it since he's left Dragon Gate. So, if, if the fall is going to fall on Strongheart's side, I'd pick him. If not, then I guess that Linda Man's eating a best Meltzer ever. I think uh, I think T Hawk is pinning Christopher Daniels. 
Interesting. I, I guess I a lot of it comes I, down to. I was going to justify. I think they probably want to give the impression that this is not a promotion where the talenting young, you know, potential superstars get beat by the guys that are pushing however old Chris Daniels is 45 or something. So, and we know that Chris Daniels has an office job. I think certainly SU is probably moving forward as an act, but I think probably Kaz and Scorpio sky are going to be the featured in ring guys there. So, I mean, you know, Chris Daniels can still go. Um, but I think uh, I think the right move, and I think maybe what they actually do is have T Hawk get the win over here. Okay, I, I guess a lot of it depends on who's sticking around, who's going to be here regularly, who do they want to focus on. But Nate, I think you're dead on that they're not going to want to look like WWE and that they have the old guys, especially the old guys with office connections, getting wins. So, very nice point. It, it kind of brings up a point to me though of like. I don't think this show is just going to be match after match after match like a normal pay-per-view because they are establishing a new brand. I mean, do you guys expect promos and anything like that during this show? It certainly promos, you know, backstage things to serve as breaks while they're, yeah. you know, uh, resetting the mood kind of. Um, but, you know, hopefully straight ahead promos and not really skits. Um, Meltzer did say that there are going to be surprises throughout the night which makes you think there's going to be at least a handful of angles right? Gotta and, be angles. And, and people were not expecting. So, yeah, I mean, I think we're going to get a pretty uh, full slate of, of pro wrestling action here as far as getting the interviews and, and maybe getting some surprise angles from people we're not expecting. Do you, do you want to hear what my Galaxy Brain idea is? Absolutely. I think something happens that the elite are going to – I don't want to say disintegrate, but I feel like that there'll be a moment that they're going to have to keep them separate or do some sort of split. If not here, but by TV starts. Mm, that's aggressive. Just because, I mean, you're going to have to book week to week television and those are built in feuds. And the way I look at the, at the lineup and the roster, they're going to need some heels. So I think that's natural for someone like Cody to be a long-term heel. I think he's much better at it than a baby face. So I think that, there might be some, uh, we might be going back to last year, sadly, with the uh, Bullet Club Civil War. I feel like there might be another kind of thing, just because we're expecting surprises. And I just look at this, this card, and no one is very out-and-out out heelish other than like MJF and Sammy Guevara, if you watch Being the Elite. So I feel like that they have to kind of establish some heels. And I guess Chris Jericho, to be fair. Yeah, I, uh, I do agree that Cody is the guy to make a heel out of the elite and is probably the guy that would be most interested in doing it. And I do think it's kind of a problem to have all of your top stars in a stable together. And also they're all vice presidents. I think that's not ideal for week to week television. Um, but we also know they're setting up Cody versus Jericho. So that makes me think that Cody will at least be the baby baby face for that feud when that comes. Also, are they necessarily in a stable in this promotion? Do we know that? Well, everybody that's watching knows. Well, maybe not everybody that's watching. Everybody that's following it does know that because they've been following them in New Japan right. and Ring of Honor. So, you know, but you, you can't you can't just project the fiction onto people that strongly, I think. I think that's something that you can't really work yet. I guess I'm guess I'm asking, does the elite exist in AEW? 
I mean, up to this point, it has. I mean, they still wear like the elite T-shirts, man. When we talk about being the elite, that became a big part of the Hangman thing was that Cody was wearing that T-shirt. So at sure. least in this interview, unless something happens and they do a clear delineation between the content they had before Double or Nothing or before television and content going forward, I feel like that they have to either establish that they are a full stable. And if so... You're as Nate said, you have all these EVPs that have this, or you're going to need to have some people, you know, turn or something like that going forward. Yeah, you can't just say, oh, you know, everybody that's watching this show knows that you guys are a group of friends who are stable in all these other promotions, and people have followed you from there. But now, now it's just is not true anymore. If they're going to ignore the realities of their audience to that degree, then they have a problem. So. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they're they still stable to this point. All right, speaking of run-ins, real quick. Zero to 100% chance that Nick Gage shows up on this show. I give it a, a strong 33% chance. He's in town. He's doing StarCast. You know, it's not outside the realm possibility. 12.5% chance. Wow. I, I don't know. Just something is, something's tingling in me. It's telling me that Nick Gage is going to be on this show. So they have been going a little bit harder on this being a little bit of an edgier production than WWE. They have Cody talked about it in the um, Road to Double or Nothing from today. Uh, we also have indications from the pe- the pay-per-view ads that it's going to be a TV 14 show or product. So maybe if they really want to get that over and say, hey, we're not the WWE because Nick Gage is going to come on here and say shit or motherfucker or something. Um <laughs> That would be a quick way to delineate yourself, uh, but I just it doesn't feel likely to me. Don't you think these guys could r- really get Nick Gage over in front of a big audience? I think they could, but the problem is, is I don't think you could be doing the kind of death matches that Nick Gage does and is best at because I've seen some of his, uh, I've seen some of his non-hardcore matches and. A lot of the believability and the aura goes away when you see him versus Mike Quackenbush or him versus Jonathan Gresham. Sure, but Cody explicitly on Road to Double or Nothing today mentioned blood. Mm-hmm. That other promotions don't have blood. And yeah. I think about like at the the spring break when we saw Nick Gage versus Pentagon and they were just kind of like hitting each other with doors. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> I mean... I don't know. It doesn't have to be like barbed wire and, you know, it doesn't even have to be light tubes, but uh, there's stuff you can do that could be more hardcore that Nick Gage could do. I don't know. I'm just fantasy booking Nick Gage onto the show. Sorry. Yeah, you are. Um, I mean, I did. Okay. Jimmy Havoc is in the battle royale, we think. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, he's sort of in the same zone, but not as uh, engaging as Nick Gage. Yeah, (laughs) I I just don't. I mean, I was going to say good. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I don't. I mean, unless it's. And this, no, I, uh, I don't see room for him. All right, all right. I'll stop fantasy booking. Next up, Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes. The story of this match, despite the initial Dustin promo, I feel like the story of this match has really been boiled down to generation versus generation. And Cody talking several times about his hatred for the Attitude Era, or basically just like his belief that it really wasn't all that good, which is true and that he wants to take this opportunity to destroy that uh, era of wrestling and help usher in a, a new era. So I think that's the story we're going to get here. Dustin has talked about, you know, he wants to win and not make this his one last 
match. So it's interesting from that perspective. Don't know how uh, exciting it will be in ring, but I think obviously Cody comes out with the win. Yeah, Cody has to win. They're in trouble if Cody doesn't win. I think this is going to be the equivalent of that first ECW on sci-fi show where the Sandman caned a zombie in the head. He's like, this is not going to be some sci-fi bullshit. This is going to be hardcore. That's what we're going to have here is Cody like, this is not going to be some Attitude Era bullshit. This is going to be wrestling. I don't know. Um, But yeah, it's going to be super over in the building. Cody has to win. Uh, I hope that Dustin is up to the task, I guess. I don't know when the last time he wrestled was. Maybe it was recently. But uh, yeah, I'm hoping, hoping it'll be breezy i think that uh all these matches that dustin apparently had on uh main event are all fake because those are just made so that they could fulfill international tv deals so i filed them in with the nxt uk show as being fake tv and being a giant psyop from wwe that being said i feel like that this if there's anything on the show that really could get plunder or a lot of plunder in it i feel like this is a match that could really use it especially given Cody and still coming back from like his knee scoping. And I mean, I think Dustin's a good wrestler, but I have no illusions about who he is and how long he can go and ring at age 50. I think that if there's anything that's going to get a bunch of tables and get blood, it has to be this match. So it can't I, be plunder though. Right. Do- doesn't that embrace the attitude era? I, hmm. I mean, you just talked about Nick Gage being able to do tables in this company. Sure, but I mean, in just the context of this match, the story yeah. of this match, mm-hmm. isn't it weird if Cody brings out tables and shit? Uh, I mean, Cody likes his his overbooked Southern style stuff, though. He, I mean, Brandy's going to be out there doing distractions and shit. I imagine, you know, we had her like take an elbow drop it all in from Magnus. Um, so I don't. It, I think it's it, even if it's not plundery, and even if it's not throwing people into a dumpster. I think it's still going to be overbooked to, uh, to 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 distinguish itself from the straight wrestling on the card. It's really a bummer that that Dusty isn't around for this. I mean, he would have been a they would have used him here. It would have been amazing. Oh, Dusty would have cried. They would have had Dusty cry in promo for his sons. I, I would have cried. It would have been great. All right, the next match. Well, not a match. Should have been Hangman Adam Page versus Pac. But as we learned this week. Pac is not going to be on the show. This match is canceled. Uh, not not because it's problematic. <laughs> it's just canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of different stories out there about the reasoning. The story from Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter and on Wrestling Observer Radio is that there were creative differences about Pac's willingness to lose. Not in this match. It was apparently expected that he would win this match but that he was going to go into a program with Kenny Omega, ultimately lose that program. And perhaps he wasn't interested in doing that, or he was still going to be Dragon Gate champion. And so, you know, couldn't really do that for political reasons. There's also been rumors that there's a visa issue related to Pac. Haven't had any confirmation of that. So really don't know. All we know is this match is not happening on this show. Instead, they had a match on a WrestleGate Pro Show in England, right, this past week? Nottingham. Nottingham. And afterward, Pac cut a promo saying he wasn't coming to All Elite Wrestling. So that's what we know. There are some, you know, talk that Hangman is, well, presumably Hangman's still going to be on the show. 
will still work a match. We just don't know against whom. Uh, yeah. So I guess the question is here to be addressed is how they handled this. Um, Dave was pretty uh, effusive about how they handled it, I guess. What he did first was basically distinguish them from the WWE and said, you know, they didn't want to change the match at the 11th hour and bait everybody into buying the show and then not get the match that they were advertising. Um, and they wanted to deliver on a match that they had been building. So they, you know, flew a guy to the UK to wrestle in front of 350 people or whatever it is to, to deliver on the match. Um, but yeah, the question does remain a little bit. Relatively smart people have said that, you know, maybe Pac's visa is not sorted out to this point. We know he got pulled off of all the WrestleMania shows because they couldn't get his visa sorted out despite going through all the correct channels. Um, you know, this is a guy who basically walked out on the former sponsor of his visa. So you could see how that would be problematic, uh, especially when you got a government that is like half staffed and actively uh, trying to not fulfill visas where they can um, like that all computes. So and I guess, man. Yeah. Um, so do you do you want to do a weird work shoot angle to distract from that if that's the real cause of or a partial cause or an additional cause of this match not being able to happen um i guess you can uh you know i think it fits with sort of the meta character that Pac has established and doing all these draws and dqs when he's not winning matches in dragon gate like that all fits together as well so in that sense i think it works but um yeah, it's just we don't know enough at this point, I guess. But uh, it, it kind of stinks because I think this was going to be the real work rate blow away match on the card. Um, and I guess I credit them for still trying to deliver on it in the way that they did, even though they did have <clears throat> the DQ finish. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, too much unknown information at this time. Um, and I guess we don't even, you know, they tried to get over that hangman is now injured. So I, uh, you know, Dave said, that AEW said that they're going to have a better show as a result of this match change. Uh, I think that would be hard to do, but um, I guess we'll find out. It's something that I've gone on tweet threads about this, and I I watched the match today that they put up there. It was fine. Like It was not to the level of Pac and Dragon Gate, but it was better than the Pac matches he's been having in the UK Indies where it's just been Pac taking time off and doing like three bumps and hitting the black arrow and winning. But I think that for Pac, and if this is a creative issue, I've heard the visa things and the visa things, like there are different people that have talked to us about visas. So it's not just like we're, uh, we're trumping one thing that there's been, it's been the talk about, Oh, what's the issue with his visa? Like we have to acknowledge that. I feel like so. I do believe that if this was a creative way to get around the visa, I don't know. Like, it, are you going to hold Pac off until they do their UK shows or if they do shows in Mexico or in Canada? I It just seemed like it was kind of weird about that. But they did have Pac attack Paige pretty heavily for chair. Uh, he hit him kind of Triple H style in the face and then doing it did but was once called like a pelmanizing where he you put the chair over the leg and you smack you you put the foot in the chair and you smack another chair against it and it made it kind of feel like in a way that he was trying to injure page but 
if this is a thing that's related to Pac not wanting to lose before or while champion, or he just didn't want to lose in general, I think the thing that has to be stated is Pac's not under a AEW contract. They have there's never been a Pac is all elite clip. There's never been talk about it. Dave Meltzer has never reported this. He is a complete free agent, and if he is a complete free agent, his loyalty is going to be towards Dragon Gate because. One of his best friends in wrestling is one of the leaders in the company is the future president. And he takes Dragon Gate very seriously because he very likely would have never reached any heights and probably just would have done like maybe one or two PWG bookings and wrestled in England before the uh, big Europe boom. So, I mean, he takes Dragon Gate seriously and they've been very careful with how they booked him over the last seven months. And they're leading up to their biggest show in history. Ultima Dragon looks like he's coming back, which is a big thing for Dragon Gate fans. Not and sure. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is a big thing that he's going to be main eventing like their 20th anniversary show and probably dropping the belt there. And that's going to be his priority if you don't have him under contract. I mean, I don't blame him if this is actually a legitimate creative thing. If this is a visa thing, you know, we, I think Nate covered it pretty well there. But I, I'm always going to come down on, on the side of, of the wrestler. And especially if you don't have him signed, then what allegiance is going to be. It's going to be to his home promotion. His home promotion, unless he's signed by AEW, was always going to be Dragon Gate. Yeah, I have no sour grapes whatsoever if he's not willing to you know, take a pinfall while he's the champion of his home promotion. Um, I, you know, I don't think champions should be taking pinfalls. I know people are saying, oh, you got to do business. It's going to be the big new company, blah, blah, blah. Like He obviously has other priorities, and I respect those. So no sour grapes there. I still want to see him in this promotion because I think he's great. Um, but you know, um, you know, ho hopefully there's a time after, you know, maybe he drops the belt at Kobe world or whatever, where he's, uh, able to be a more full member of the roster. If that's what he wants to do. Yeah. That would be the time would be after late July, which is kind of weird because what we're assuming that the feud and the thing set up with Omega, we're guessing it's probably going to be in Chicago for all in two. Right. That's sort of the the thinking. Um, yeah, yeah, because we don't have any main event sort of stuff advertised for the fight for the fallen or fighter fest show. So. Well, fighter fest, he's already in that three way trio. He's already in the trios match against the Bucks and Kenny. Well, so. yeah, hopefully he is, but we don't know if they'll have anything resolved by that point. That's fair. Yeah, it kind of felt like they were going to have Pac win this one, build a little bit to Omega. I think there was some reporting that maybe Pac would actually beat Omega for the title and then lose it back to him at All In 2. So well, the one thing we should say, I don't think we mentioned this explicitly, they were also, yes, they wanted to pay off the match, but they also wanted to make sure that they didn't do a DQ or double countout or something like that on their first big show, mm -hmm. since they've kind of you know, built that up as something they're not going to do. They wanted to have all clean finishes, allegedly. We'll see. Uh, right. So they didn't they didn't want to do a time limit draw because it's a pay-per-view. You can't put 60 minutes on there, you know, in the middle of your card. So, right. yeah. So, yeah. Um, do we have do we have new guesses for who Hangman might wrestle? Because, you know, they did pilmanize him. But, you know, uh, uh, like Dave said, they think they're going to have a better show. So we probably still have a featured Hangman page match. Hangman's got to be on the show, right? I mean, presumably yeah. he's going to be yeah. a featured star in this company. Yeah. Yeah. And that became one of the things is that they didn't want Pac to beat Hangman and then walk out when he couldn't do this. They wanted to resolve it now versus later because 
they obviously, if this was going to end up being what they thought it would be, the two eliminators would have been this match and then the main event. So in theory, that would instantly put Hangman Page in their top four. So they didn't want to have their top four guy taking a fall and not getting comeuppance, I guess. Yeah, the interesting thing is that they didn't just put whoever's going to win the Battle Royale in a match with Hangman. And he could have been a surprise uh, match, right? Could have been mm-hmm. like, we're going to have a surprise person to wrestle Hangman, and then he comes out and it's Moxley or whatever. So, But the reporting seemed to be that for some reason they didn't want Hangman to lose to that person. And that, I don't know. We'll never know. But I guess it'll be at least a little more obvious once we figure out who that person actually is. Yeah, having a you know another surprise on the card is intriguing in its own way. Even though I would have liked to seen you know the the full speed match with Pac here, but you know uh, you know another question mark. We're like, hey, who could show up? That's a you know that has its own appeal. But don't you think it's weird if you're trying to sell pay per views to have John Moxley on this show and not advertise him? No, I think it's better to have a culture where. People expect wild shit can happen. You can create the idea that you can't miss a show, that it's, you know, a live big deal event with a big fight feel. And who fucking knows? Maybe Dean Ambrose is going to walk out of that curtain. I think that's more valuable to me than popping an extra $150,000 or 150,000 buys or whatever, you know, the number is. I don't know how much John Moxley's worth. (laughs) I mean, I don't, totally random number, but. You know, they're now they're putting in the money in the bank at this point to build this into being a big company. And I think having, you know, a giant buzz building payoff to a surprise is worth more than putting a graphic out and saying, hey, yeah, John Mox is here. Sorry, I was going to be surprised, but we had to do it now because box off the card, et cetera. That's my opinion. Yeah, it is pretty cool if you wake up on Sunday or you're reading Twitter Saturday night and you're like, fuck, I was going to buy this show and and Dean Ambrose showed up and I missed it. So, yeah, I like that idea. It's just it depends on how it's a balance, right, between like you want to do buys, obviously, you're trying to make money. But you also this is the first show. It's literally square one. Like Mike said earlier, too, you can put him in the battle royale and and push that and say, oh, John Moxie here. He's just won the match. What the fuck's going to happen next? That's so true. Better order the show. So so true. All right, let's move on. We got two matches left. The AAA World Tag Team Championship. The Young Bucks, the champions, take on the Lucha Brothers. I think the story here is the Young Bucks, are they going to be in shape enough? Are they going to have too much ring rust to take out the Lucha Brothers who wrestle all the time, who wrestle constantly? Now, the interesting thing is Not what? for AIW, though. <laughs> yeah the interesting thing is it's like one week later right that these guys are wrestling again for triple a these yeah, i think it, so it's uh i'll look up the card as we're talking about it but it, i think it's within it's before the next pay-per-view and they are booked as aaron was saying in a triple uh, a world tag team title match so right yeah. and i think on that poster the bucks are listed as champions but as many people have said online Triple A posters really don't mean anything. It, it doesn't tell you anything just because they're listed there that they're actually going to be champions coming in. But it would make sense for the Bucks to win here and then go back to Mexico and drop these titles to the Lucha Brothers. Yeah, I think this match should be good. Um, if I think this is where we're really going to see if there are casual WWE fans that want to give this a chance and have not 
dip their toe into the waters of New Japan or Lucha Underground or any of the thousand other places that the Lucha Brothers work, I think this is going to blow them away. Probably they're going to be like, "Oh, I've never seen spots like this before." You know, um, we, you know, it'll 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 be like showing a PWG preview to somebody who just watches NXT. I don't know, uh, but yeah, I, I expect this to be good. I, I could go either way on the winner. I guess doesn't really matter one way or the other because both these are going to be pushed acts uh, at the top of the tag team division. I have to imagine now and in the future. It will be kind of silly if Cody, the Bucks, and Kenny all win their matches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's something I'm a little, a little corny. A little corny. I I'd agree with you. So I looked it up. The show that they are both booked on is Verano de Escandalo on june 16th which is before fighter fest on june 29th and then fight for the fallen on july 13th so, okay so it's a few weeks later basically it's about three weeks and we know that they're wrestling each other again for these yeah. titles i mean they could be triple a changes the card <laughs> i i'm a full belief that i don't believe what the triple a show is going to be until it goes off twitch that night so who knows that it could be that Lucha Bros win and then go to AAA and they never have a match or the rematch for this. But yeah, I, I, I'm with you all about thinking of this as like a big pole match. And, you know, I've been, this is probably my biggest coin flip match now that we know the, the stakes for the main event. And I can see it going either way. They've been teasing that big new move and I'm kind of interested in what it is. So, and then on the other side, you have the fact that the Lucha Bros are if they play the match, they are two of the most active wrestlers on the independent scene. I mean, that could be something you could play up that, oh, the Bucks are rusty, but they might not be nursing any other injuries because assumedly, since it hasn't been a thing that's brought up, they got over the attack at the MGN Grand Rally. Yeah, it's it's funny what you were saying, Nate, because I see this match and I'm like, eh, okay, the Bucks versus Lucha Brothers. I don't know if I've seen it a million times, but I feel like I have. But there is a, a whole universe of people who have never seen these teams or never seen them wrestle each other. And so I'm guessing that these teams are going to go all out. Like, this should be a wild match, right? They should be trying to do every high yeah. spot they have to really sell people on this company. Yeah, it's going to be like 22 minutes of, uh, you know, the wackiest shit from Bola over the last four years, basically. And, yeah, and, I, I'm in the same boat. Like, I, um, you know, I, I think the... Young Bucks are really great, but it is the case where I've seen like all of their featured matches over the last three, four or five years. So, you know, it is good that they are advertising something new from them. That's, I think, savvy when they're playing to their established audience. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I can imagine a lot of the spots that these guys are going to do in my head. Oh, we also just saw them at the AAA show. It wasn't like a full match, but they did just have this match once. Um, but yeah, there's there's a, if there's an audience of people that are not, familiar but are willing to try this other wrestling company i wouldn't be surprised if they come away going like oh that's the greatest fucking thing i've ever seen from this i'd also add that the bucks got shorted on time at all in yeah that's true so they're probably even more gonna want to show out on this show and like nate said i wouldn't be shocked to see 22 minutes you know or something like that uh, it, it is good at least that the bucks haven't wrestled in their normal spots in a while so i think even the three of us could watch this match and be like, oh, yeah, these guys are very good. You know, like this this was a cool match, you know, because we haven't seen them every week like uh, we were for, for several years. Hey, I just saw something come across social media. 
Guess who Cody is flying to Vegas with right now? Cody, did you say? Yeah, Cody and also Tony Khan. I don't know. Give it to us. It is Malenko is with them. Oh, Malenko is the great Malenko. Yeah, they, there's a photo of their private plane and Dean Malenko is in between the two of them. The Tony and uh, Cody both have sunglasses and are wearing ties. Dean Malenko is thoroughly dadding out in just like a, a Tommy Bahama button down that has like two buttons <laughs> undone, which owns. I, I respect that aesthetic. Yeah, so I guess... Well, I don't know. Malenko makes sense as an agent in AEW for sure. I'm sure he, he must be on Starcast too. Everybody's on Starcast. Yeah, he oh, is. I'm pretty sure on Starcast. I, who knows? I think he might be there. I wouldn't be surprised he's with Arn for that Arn thing. You know, Nate. I'm guessing you hated Dean Malenko as a wrestler. Really? Why would you think that? Well, if he wrestled today, you would hate him. Why would you think that? Well, he didn't have any. He didn't do any cool moves. He never acted like a badass. I think you're confusing me with somebody else. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I won't. I don't particularly remember. Dean Malenko would have been the guy that you know I'd seen in WCW, and then he had the reputation of being like a great technical worker or whatever. So when he came over to WWE, I was probably like, "Oh yeah, Dean Malenko's great. This is so cool." That's probably where I was at. I guess you didn't think work rate was fake then. You hadn't come to that opinion, yet. right? No, I was a I was a stupid child, and I thought work rate was real. <laughs> oh jeez! All right, main event time. The winner faces the winner of the battle royale for the AEW Championship. It's going to be Kenny Omega taking on Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho has been pushing throughout this the build to this match that everyone in AEW deserves, or that he deserves a thank you from everyone in AEW. That he's responsible for the house. He's responsible for the success of the company so far. The buzz that it's only legitimate because he's there. And so if he wins this match, he wants Kenny Omega to thank him personally for what he's done for his career. But I guess now there's an e even bigger stakes because whoever wins is going to become the, uh, I don't know, a number one contender for the AEW championship. Now, this is a match that we've seen before. This is number two. They've wrestled in New Japan Pro Wrestling. So we kind of know what it might be look like but mike i guess one did you like their first match and what are your expectations for this one yeah uh i actually liked the first match a great deal two years ago i think that chris jericho is someone that growing up he was my favorite wrestler but over like the recent years and the older i got i mean i was i know both of you were wcw watchers i was a wwf watcher so like y2j was a big thing for me like when he came out there but over like the, his last few runs and until he left the company, I just kind of got tired of him. But I think he's done this really cool Memphis slash Lucha Brawl style in New Japan. And I love that match he had with Kenny. So I'm stoked for this. I do think it's kind of interesting that this is the main event. But it seems like that that Chris Jericho's feud is actually with Cody Rhodes and not with Kenny Omega. Like that's the thing about this match that throws me a little bit of a curveball. Now that we know that it's a title eliminator match, okay, it makes a little bit more sense that these two would be in the title eliminator. But it's just like there hasn't been much buildup for this match other than Chris Jericho going and attacking poor Mike Kulari. So, and then yelling at uh, Cody to respect him and to thank him. So it's just kind of weird buildup, but this is a match that 
could be another great match. I don't know how much plunder we're going to get on the show. As you brought up before, like you don't think there's going to be as much, but I think that that could be the best thing for this is that just go completely balls out for 30 minutes and just do crazy things. Let Jericho bleed a lot. And I think you're going to go. Yeah. It doesn't really bother me that they've kind of uh, moved on to this Cody feud with Jericho. I would like to imagine a wrestling company that's uh, capable of having like multiple motivations for characters and like dynamic relationships between multiple people around them. Um, I kind of get tired of like the wrestling idea where you lock everybody into these vacuum sealed feuds and they can only focus on, you know, their opponent that's for the next big match. And, you know, you know that every time you see them come out on TV, they're going to be advancing that feud somehow. I would like to have multiple threads coming together for different guys, especially for top guys. Um, but I do know what you mean because the, you know, Kenny came out and attacked him at that Southern hardcore wrestling show or whatever to, to make the save for sunny days, which Jericho was sort of attacking on be on behalf of his feud with Cody probably. Um, so I, I do follow what you mean there, but I guess um, I'm interested to see what Chris Jericho has got in the tank still. Cause we've got, I liked uh, his, his big matches in new Japan, um, but he's not working every weekend like uh you know the young guys are so I, I think mike's probably right that we get some plunder here to sort of uh you know uh give give them some more action to do while they're uh, bouncing around the ring for however many minutes um and the other thing to keep in mind the curveball here is chris jericho's going from this match right on to main eventing with uh kazuchika okada uh in a, a competitive wrestling promotion which is kind of fascinating um so I, I could really be convinced either way that one of these guys wins. I think uh, that, you know, we probably expect that Kenny was going to win because he was going to be moving on to the main event title feud with like a Pac. But, you know, Chris Jericho is going to be able to draw in suburban Chicago just as well as Kenny is, I think. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I really want to say I think Omega is the winner. But there's this like whole weird dynamic about AEW's relationship with New Japan and how that plays in. Do they want to pin Jericho and then send him to New Japan as like a middle finger to New Japan? Or do they want to play as nicely as possible? Uh, I don't know. It's they, all fascinating they, to me. They did just take Kenny's profile off the New Japan website, which everybody has tweeted about now. Um, yeah, hard, hard to say. I don't, you know. Who checks for this stuff? How does somebody notice that? <laughs> Is somebody just like refreshing that every day? I, you know, nothing. I wouldn't put, put it past people. I mean, no, it's just, it just takes one person who's like, I want to see exactly how tall Jonathan Gresham is. And they get on there and then they have to notice <laughs> it. Yeah. But it, it, it was one of the things that they've always had his profile up here. And then now it's gone. Incidentally, it's a week after the Bleacher Report article, which the Bucks did not have very kind things to say towards New Japan. So, in the past, before this was a title eliminator match, I thought that they would try to play nice. But now I think you got to put the... I, I think Kenny Omega, if Pac's not going to be a part of this, or we don't know Pac's position going forward, I think Kenny Omega is the guy that you got to strap up at the first opportunity because you need to get this belt on someone before TV because you don't want this to be dragged out to TV. You want to be deciding new contenders. You don't want to do a long, drawn-out tournament because it's just bad TV for new viewers. So I, I think Kenny has to win. I guess for me, it comes down to 
does All Elite know who's winning the Jericho Okada match? I cannot have this guy win this match and then lose to Okada. It can't happen. That's a point I did not think about whatsoever about keeping Jericho strong. If he loses here, you don't want to have him to go win than lose. You'd rather have him lose, lose, or win, win. But I think we're expecting it to be lose, lose. Yeah, if, if he's going to be my top contender and then he's going to win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, hell yeah, let's go. But I, I don't want it looking like Okada is better than Omega, even though, you know, he is in, in New Japan kayfabe. Are you sure? Didn't, I mean, Okada ultimately wins, right? No, Omega beat Okada last. Tanahashi beat Omega. That's yeah. right. Tanahashi yeah. beat Omega. Yeah, it was the last time. on my own petard. Uh oh. This is I'm playing the role of the listener tonight, and that I keep correcting AB. <laughs> I appreciate it. That's fine. I'm wrong boy from way back. It's fine. All right. Last thing on Double or Nothing. When you get on Twitter on Saturday night, or you wake up Sunday morning reflecting on this show, was this a great show? Oh, you're asking us if we <laughs> you're asking yeah. for a prediction? Yeah. Yeah, I want to know. Was this a great show? They're talking on Road to Double or Nothing about how it's going to be the best pro wrestling pay-per-view of all time. Yeah, I don't know. That that seems like a curious um tack for them to take. I don't I know like if you I know. I don't know if you're Crazy. doing yourself any favors by doing that, really. Um, I think there are gonna be one or two pretty wild or cool surprises. And I think the main event's going to deliver. And I think people are going to remember the show by the main event, because that's what happens with both shows. And it's going to go off the air with a great match and maybe something setting up a future hot angle or something. So if they can deliver on that, then it'll be considered a great show. Yeah. I I think that it's, I I think them saying that I'm of the belief that you remember like the old sizzle reels that they have on that they used to do for like pay-per-views before the show would go on air where they like play like the same like preview. I feel like that that's what the last road to double or nothing was about is that, that that that's why they made a statement like that was so that they, you could have it play as like the sizzle reel before the show goes on air for people who aren't watching the, the stream of buy-in. But I think that other than being incredibly tired Sunday morning, I think that it's uh, there's enough there for me personally to think that this show could be exceptional. I don't think it'll be the best show I've ever seen in my life, but I think that, or the bad last 10 years or however, the joke that they were making, but it, 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 there's potential here. There's some stuff that I think that could really blow away expectations, but uh, you know, I do think that the loss of Hangman and Pac is going to hurt the show. And if they say that this show is going to be better then They've got to prove it, and especially when you put out content like that, saying it's going to be this incredible show. They have to back up the check they're trying to cash. Yeah, I think me at the end of the show, I'm going to think, oh, that was fun. I had a good time with that. But I'm not sure that it that matters because it's really going to matter all the people who are laying eyes on some of this talent for the very first time, whether they're blown away by it and they're going to keep buying the shows or watching the TV. And I think there's enough stuff on here for those fans that this really could be blow away. Yeah, I think the top two matches are going to be probably blow away to those fans. Um, the Pac versus Hangman match would have helped for sure. 
but maybe that's where you fit in a big surprise that gets people talking a lot. So yeah, I guess uh, a lot of how good this show is going to be depends on one production quality and getting, not having big technical issues for their first show and being able to uh, capture the events of the evening well and, and, and communicate them well. And two, uh, how much does Chris Jericho have in the tank? And is he able to keep giving us top matches like he's been doing in New Japan? All right. That's double or nothing. That's our preview. That's going to be this Saturday. The pre-show starts at 7 p.m. The main show starts at 8 p.m. You can get it on Bleacher Report Live or traditional pay-per-view. So I don't know. I'm going to watch it. So I think everybody should check it out. And we'll be back here next week to talk about it. But... Before we get done here, we got a few more things to talk about. We have we did go long on the preview, but I do want to hit this quickly. In the Bleacher Report article on AEW uh, this past week, and maybe Mike can throw a link to it in the show notes. It's definitely retweeted on our Twitter feed. But there's a one part of it that I want to point out, and that's when they started talking about what AEW's relationship with labor is. And the big thing that they focused on was that uh, Cody was going to make one pledge on behalf of AEW, and that is that they are going to, quote, preserve the health and wellness of in-ring talent at all costs. Now, of course, that raises a lot of questions because, you know, in the in the wake of the John Oliver segment about how WWE treats their, quote unquote, empl- or independent contractors, there are questions about health care insurance or health insurance, rather. There are questions about unionization in the sport and Cody has had some uh, not good comments about unions in the past. He basically said that uh, a union would kill wrestling and he's quoted in this, in this BR piece as saying, when I said a union would kill wrestling, I was specifically talking about your mom and pop indies that can't afford an ambulance to come to the building. There's a lot of people who saw the John Oliver uh, saw the story John Oliver did and immediately called for a union or better care for their wrestlers Better care is paramount, and one of the first ways you do that is raise the pay floor, which we've done. All right, my first response to this quote is that it's a classic change the subject, right? He's oh, like, yeah. people wanted to talk about unions or pay, uh, so I'm going to talk about pay. And um, the idea that Cody has here is if we raise pay, everybody else is going to raise pay, which is like a classic, oh, the market will figure this out type response, which I don't think does much, but and we'll all talk about that quickly. But I just want to uh, push through the rest of this so we can all discuss our thoughts on it. Basically, they said what they do want to do is push to a place where there is some sort of governing body that helps protect the current generation, but also older veterans that will soon be retiring. I wonder what that sounds like. And then maybe the most newsworthy part was that they said that there are wrestlers outside the executive vice president's the, that are rec- are going to receive benefits and health care. And they did say that 100% they would cover any injury sustained in the ring, as well as rehab and recovery. So a lot to discuss there. What I want to start with is like this uh, changing the subject on unions, even though then saying we need to have some sort of governing body that protects the wrestlers. Uh, it's kind of an interesting thing. But Mike, what did you take away from that? And where do you think this is going? Yeah, I think that Cody, as someone who I'm willing to put money, is a member of the Screen Actors Guild, which is the Actors Union. 
I'm willing to bet that he didn't want to get any pushback for what he said before about unions killing wrestling because a lot of places that have unions are part of larger collaborative unions and organizations that try to push organizing. So he's, he clearly tried to change the subject. Of course, wrestlers have better pay, but the best way to the the best way to ensure that wrestlers get better paid pay is collective bargaining. The, the clearest example here is you look at professional sports. You look at how in baseball, before that they were able to break the reserve clause, there was horrible pay that all these baseball players would have to have second and third jobs because the league would pay them so poorly. And yes, we are now a long time from when Kurt Flood did the uh, court case through to ruin the reserve clause out of I forget the exact year, but he, he tried to deflect here and I, it does really seem like that they're open to all this, but they want to do it under their control and incremental, which is not, which is something that management typically says when they're say what management wants to yeah. they control this. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like, of course they want to be incremental. They don't believe in like revolutionary change because they're management. But I think that as a long-term thing, like, of course, them raising pay, saying they're going to cover things, not have GoFundMes and not have, have PayPal's is a good idea. And it's, of course, covering older wrestlers. But this kind of comes in conflict with what he said before about there are wrestlers who have other positions and they're the ones that are going to be full-time and get benefits and get medical insurance. Because when we talk about BTE, they specifically mentioned that towards uh, Brandon Cutler was going to be the senior content producer and that he was and they made a reference like about this in his family that I'm willing to guess that most people who've had these double titles have had are considered like full-time workers in the company. So, and that's not even getting the whole independent contractor clause, but yeah, I rambled a little bit there, but this article, when I first saw it, I was like, Cody, you're trying to save your ass. So that SAG's not going to get on you about this, especially since now you're on broadcast TV. And of course, management believes in incrementalism and not revolutionary change. Yeah, that's really my point and has been my point from the beginning is that we really shouldn't be looking to Cody on this because he's management and management doesn't unionize the workers unionize. Um, uh, you know, it, it's kind of he kind of dug himself his own hole because of some of the broad comments he made prior to AEW, which, you know, have now sort of begun to shoot at us. Oh, well, this was sort of uh, talking about a player's league and workers being involved and, and running the company in the lead up to AEW. And, and that was sort of supposed to be the payoff to all that sort of discourse. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is, you know, he's management. He's not the friend to the worker. If you're management, he's the enemy to the worker, um, I guess is <laughs> the takeaway that we should really have. But uh, he's, I guess he's sort of enunciated this a little better than he has in like the scrum comments that he's made in the past which, uh, you know, perhaps is not a surprise since this was like a affiliated publication to the company that's going to be running the show. <laughs> I, I also want to push back on this injury thing, right? So they say they're going to 100% cover any injury sustained in the ring as well as the rehab and recovery. And this is the quote from Cody. We're not going to have a PayPal fund going around for somebody who gets hurt. You know me. You've seen my smile. I am above board. That's the most frightening part of this article. Yeah, I have to imagine he meant that like ironically when he said it, but that does not come across when you transcribe an interview into text. No, yeah. and, and what I kind of want to push back on is you hear that a lot about WWE, right? right? They'll say, well, they always cover injuries for their guys. They cover for people to go to drug rehab years later, 
blah, blah, blah. Okay. But the, that's true. It, it does seem to be true, but they do that of their own volition, not on a contractual basis, which means they can stop doing it at any time. They can oh. decide not to cover an injury. Oh, absolutely. And when you say you're going to hundred percent cover injuries in WWE, that means you're more often than not getting paid your downside. So you have a loss of income because you're going to be right. sitting at home and not getting money from the gate because how the WWE anachronistic formula works. But right. so, so there's a few questions that have yeah. to be asked. Are you paying medical bills? Mm -hmm. Okay. Are you replacing the person's earnings or paying them some sort of income during that time, which is important. And uh, the other question that, that comes up from my perspective is, will you put that in writing? Yeah. Will you agree to do this contractually so that you can be held accountable for it if you don't do it? Because the way that he's putting up there is like, you know, I mean, you trust me, your management. You just want to, you're doing this and you all made a reference about this before. From now on, I expect Leach Report's going to get first crack and will be the bravado uh, of them, to be honest. Like this is going, I look at this as like affiliated publication. This is like if something goes to, I, I guess, pro wrestling sheet, I expect that it was fed by something. Like I, you have to look at it that way. I'm, I'm, I don't mean to be sounding antagonistic, but I feel like there's a position for antagonistic press. And if you have a source like Bleacher Report that's affiliated in part of your company, you are, I have to treat it like this is coming straight from you. But yeah, no, I want to see this in writing. If you say that there should be some sort of way to look out for people, especially older wrestlers, how are you going to do so? Show me a plan. Because the fact that you have the wrestlers involved in management here has so many conflicts of interest. And it, there's a lot of different ways that I'd be like, oh yeah, I know guys, you know, I've got you. Oh, you broke your ankle on the show. You know, you know me, I'm above the board. Put it in writing because you can't right. trust it. And the next question, of course, is, well, does that mean you're going to extend these contracts the way WWE does when somebody gets injured? I expect that's not going to happen, but you can't trust that unless uh, it's in writing and signed by everybody. And I will say that we reached out to the company specifically about whether they were going to pay for transportation, hotels, when, especially when TV starts and they're traveling for TV, we did not receive a response on that. So can't tell you what the answer to that is. Hopefully we'll get uh, a response to that eventually. Nate, do you have anything else to add about uh, this particular issue? I don't think so. Um, I guess doing socialism and having these a lot of these questions solved at the larger national level sort of solves them on behalf of the the companies beneath them uh so you know if you have single payer universal health care we don't have to ask ask this question anymore if you uh you know tax billionaires so they're not billionaires anymore then we don't have to rely on their goodwill or you know interest in public relations to do their charitable work or treat their workers correctly for pr purposes I can't say it better than that. Let's move on to the BTE recap, Nate. Oh, me. Okay. <laughs> I can do that. I watched BTE. Woo. Um, I should also uh, mention there is, I just started watching this prior to us going on the air here. ITV, the station that uh, appears to be the UK home of AEW, has a 45-minute documentary called Before the Bell, the story of all elite wrestling that they are now promoting on their Twitter. Um, 
I started it and it seems to be pretty well produced. It really seems to take a lot from like the interviews that Cody was doing on Road to Double or Nothing and um, some other interviews that I have not seen before, like with DDP and stuff um, and put those together with like BTE footage and footage from new and footage from, uh, you know, other shows that these guys have appeared on in the past. Um, So I'm not, I'm like halfway through it right now, but uh, you know, if that was the, if that's what they're going to put on the air before the buy-in and before the pay-per-view, I think that's a, a a nice piece of business they got right there. Anyway, is that more Jack Whitehall on that? No, no Jack Whitehall on this. Um, we didn't discuss that uh, really, but uh, th- this guy that they had on the most recent Road Two show appears to be a very famous UK comedian who is identified as a good friend of Tony Khan. Uh, that's Jack Whitehall. He is not on this documentary, but there is also a full interview between Tony Khan and Jack Whitehall on the All Elite Wrestling Channel. So lots of content to consume, you guys. Lots of vlogs out there for the taking. That this must be your peak time of content. Like you must be so happy that even though you have to watch wrestling, now you get all this content. Yeah, no, as a vlog hound, I'm just feasting right now. Okay. BTE. This episode, I wrote the episode name down, is called Upfront. All right. And we start with the Young Bucks. They are introing what we're about to see with their friend and cohort brandon cutler uh they say that you know brandon he works harder than anybody they know he's been working with them on bte and stuff um and they know that he's been struggling with providing for his family uh because he basically got back into wrestling and has been on the indies after he was out for seven years prior to that so they tell us that they're going to show them giving him a contract to be, like we previously mentioned, a senior content producer with AEW, as well as a wrestler. Um, And it does appear to be the case that when you have people who are going to have office jobs and get all those nice benefits, they do have separate contracts. Uh, So we sit Brandon Cutler down on the couch here with the Young Bucks. They hand him some voiceover lines that they say are for the Battle Royale, since he's going to be a member of the Battle Royale. It's actually a devious swerve. Because the last line here of the VO that they read is him saying uh, basically that he's going to be a full-time content producer and wrestler with Ali Wrestling. Obviously, another very emotional moment for him because he's getting what one has to imagine is like his dream job doing this full-time. And one presumes being paid well for it or better for it. So we get uh, Brandon having a nice moment with the Young Bucks here. Uh, We get his speakerphone, tearful phone call to his wife. This is, again, they do a good job of showing these sort of human moments and, you know, kind of doing cute things or sweet things on this show. This is basically, I, I have to imagine, this is like what my older sister would fucking go wild for on Ellen is something like this. <laughs> you, you know, basically uh, like a little talk show segment where you make somebody's wish come true and the crowd all cheers and, you know, who, who knows what happens. They get a scholarship to college. Uh, this this seems like big older sister daytime TV energy. Yeah, this was sweet. I mean, I thought that was a very nice moment for him. I mean, it felt a little exploitive, but it was sweet. I liked it. Yeah, it was. Uh, I, I, I'm happy. The, the guy seems likable in the little bits of we of of him that we've seen on this show. Uh, but they also just did this bit last week with Rick Knox too. Um, So uh, it was good. It was sweet. All right. Next we have the Bucks are back outside some sort of venue somewhere. 
in California. This is the same place we saw them talking to pretty Peter Avalon on a recent episode. And now they are talking to young Jungle Boy, who uh, conspicuously is, is seems to be about the same height as the Young Bucks here when they're standing next to each other. So they are giving Jungle Boy his card for the Battle Royale. Uh, they're being like, they're doing their thing where they like kind of berate or talk down to the people as like a bit. Um, there, Nick Jackson does have a funny line where he says, can you even get into a casino? That's where the show is located. That made me laugh. It was just silly because he's a young boy who looks very young. Uh, so then they pull back and they reveal that Jungle Boy is also on the shoulders of the Luchasaurus. So they say, hey, Luchasaurus, you're, you know, uh, carrying our wrestler around. Do you want to be in the Battle Royale too? Take a card. There's a good joke here where Nick says to Matt, Nick, we're, or Matt, we're all full up. Our, our card's booked up. And Matt says, oh, that's fine. We'll just cut Michael Elgin. Everybody likes, uh, you know, a good joke at Michael Elgin's expense. Sure. Do you think it's, uh, I, I, well, I'm not going to ask if you think, I think it's a bad idea that they're letting all these guys pick from a full deck of cards because they're oh. not going to end up <laughs> with the right uh, things. There's going to be like two people in clubs, seven people with them. <laughs> That's right. No, there's way more than 21 cards in there. You could get. I don't know how many cards there are total. You could get 52. 10, 10, 15, no, 10, 53, 14 54. people with the same suit. Right, they're using the Joker, at least one Joker. You're right. <laughs> but yeah, you could definitely get 10 people all with the same suit. That would ruin the match. And also, if are they replacing the cards after they draw them? I mean, it changes the probability also. I mean, the last person could just end up with the Joker because they're the last person to get the card or they're have to end up in a certain way. Or do they have to replace these? And then when five suits are drawn then they remove the suit from the drawing pool. Somebody may not get the Joker. I know. That's right. There's too many cards there. And when we saw a Sean Spears vignette, he was drawing from a totally different pack of cards, presumably in a different city entirely. Just no operational security here by the Young Bucks. Mookie, how would you let this happen? Come on, Mookie. I know you love ELO and proper ranking systems. You should know that for statistical variance, unless you have a set... 21 cards, five each, and you replace the cards except for the Joker. Time you for guys, some game theory. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about some game theory here. Do you guys want to hear an interesting statistical fact? I would love to, Nate. So in a deck of 52 cards, if you shuffle a deck, statistically, the it is a statistical improbability that any deck of 52 cards that has been shuffled in the history of mankind has ever been ordered the exact same way. Hmm. So if you shuffle a deck of cards, of 52 cards, that's yeah. a totally unique sequence of cards that you hold in your hand in the history of humankind. That can't be true. That's This is what the stati- statisticians tell me. I've got, a, I've got a statistician, a professional educator of statistics, will be uh, coming over to watch Double or Nothing with me in a few days. And uh, I ran this by him. He confirmed that this is statistically what we're led to believe. Okay, so yeah, but, but five seconds ago you didn't know how many cards were in a deck. <laughs> I don't think I said that. Yeah, you that did sound right. Did. Yeah, when you said 50, they're drawing from fifty-two, and I was like, no, there's jokers in it. There's fifty-four. No, no, I, Aaron. Said, <laughs> I said fifty-two, but Nate said, I, "How many cards is in a deck?" I don't remember that. Okay, maybe, but I whatever. Fifty-two right. card pickup. I would have known that. Okay, <laughs> sure, but but so like you're saying, because the first pull can be any of the cards, and then you draw the next card, so it'd be one less of that. Then in the next card, that the probability is so high that you're just not ever going to be able to draw the same five cards. Not five cards, a a a deck of fifty two cards. If you shuffle them and put them in a deck, and then you count them out. 
no, no, no. Just, just the saying. order that the cards appear in. Okay, it's, it's entirely unique in the history of mankind. If you know if they're shuffled, I still don't necessarily buy it, but I don't okay. buy it at all. Yeah. Well, look it up <laughs> in the stats books, dude. Yeah. I took stats three times, so I'm not the person to be able to do for this. Fair point. I thought he was doing like a flex, like I took stats. Three times. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna. No, hit him on that was point. not a flex whatsoever. <laughs> whatsoever. All right, we cut to Santiago, Chile. Why not? Got some local flavor here and just like sort of travelogue stuff where we see all these uh, shots of the local steen in Santiago, Chile. There's like a llama or an alpaca there. That's always fun to see. Uh, We've got Christopher Daniels, who is there in Chile, I guess, wrestling for, uh, I think, Legion Lucha Libre. And now he's going out to dinner here. We see on the show with who we're led to believe is the promoter from this wrestling company. Uh, but Christopher is having a hard time communicating with him because his Spanish is lacking. He rattles off a bunch of phrases about how he's not very good at Spanish in Spanish. Uh, and then the punchline to this or the takeaway is uh, he can't end up doing his SCU bit because he doesn't know the necessary Spanish and he doesn't have his backup there. He has to top, stop taking these single bookings. Kind of cute. Okay. Uh, Sammy Guevara now is meeting after a show with uh, a guy he runs into, a luchador, Fuego Del Sol, I think, and another guy that was there with him. Del Sol is like ripping into him because he's an asshole. And, uh, you know, Sammy's been talking shit about him on his vlog. And Sammy uh, eventually apologizes for whatever the perception was or whatever he had done to, to upset Mr. Del Sol. Uh, and the takeaway here is he walks away and Fuego Del Sol uh, and the other guy decide, hey, you know, he's not all that bad. Do you know where this was filmed at? What Sammy's schedule was last week? No, I was not following it. Okay, fair. Because I never saw Fuego Del Sol before. No, and that that's something I kind of like about plugging in these Sammy bits. Yeah. We really get some uh, like indie level color here. Like never heard of Fuego Del Sol. You know, looks like, uh, you know, maybe a step above a Chikara Luchador or something. Um, but, I, you know, you kind of like seeing you get the full depth of the pro wrestling industry when you see all these little small time shows that Sammy's showing up on and these characters that are bigger characters in his life, but basically unknown to us. Yeah, it's a good vibe. All right. Now we get uh, there's a snazzy little buy in double or nothing teaser video with like big gratuitous music on it. Big epic orchestral score saying you got to buy the show here. Um, this was well-produced. Uh, it's about it. And then we get MGF. He's in a car and he decides that he's going to hit Dustin Rhodes or take out Dustin Rhodes. Originally I thought he was going to hit him with the car, which would be like that mania match that Dustin Rhodes had with Roddy Piper. Oh, gosh, um, that would have been great. They should have done a send up. To I, that. Th- I thought they were doing that here. Oh. Not the case. Uh, we see him. He actually gets out of the car. And when they pan by the, the seat cushion, there's like an American flag on the back of it. And then we see him next to the car and it's like a lifted Ford F-150 or something. This was definitely Dustin Rhodes' car that he was in. The fucking Blue Lives Matter ass Ford. Jesus Christ. Um, so uh, he, and he's wielding like a giant fuck off Zelda sword, maybe the literal Big Goron sword from Ocarina of Time. That was a master uh, sword. Was it a master sword? Okay, it was yeah. the size of Big Goron's sword, though, because it was twice as tall as him. Oh, yeah. And by the way, that was Cody's truck. Cody posted a video about that being his truck with the. That's football. Cody's truck. Wow. Cody. Yeah. America. Yeah. But we yeah. want to discuss them doing the national anthem again. Oh, God. Uh, 
Okay. No. It's like, that's my yeah. opinion. Is, it's what I said on Twitter. It's impossibly corny. Mm-hmm. You can't be cornier than doing the national anthem before a wrestling show of all things. I mean, it's, it's my, my, I'll, I'll do my one take even before the national anthem became like explicitly a, uh, white supremacist anthem that's like yes. against uh black lives mattering and all that um before even before that was the case if that was ever the case it's still a shitty song america the beautiful is a way better song it's, it's a totally great. it's an artless drinking tune that sucks ass nobody can sing it um this is the one thing vince mcmahon has ever gotten right was doing america the beautiful instead of the shitty ass national anthem i'll go sign that i will right. say this if you're going to the show I was at All In. I sat through the national anthem. Nobody said a word. Wrestling fans are dweebs, and they will not bother <laughs> you. So do whatever you want. That's right. We did, yeah. And other people certainly sat as well. Um, yeah. Anyway, corny, whatever. Just they, like got some, they got some guy from Hamilton to do it, I think, too. Is that right? That's, oh, and that's way. That's even fucking worse. I mean, come on. Somebody. Well, no, I'm not going to call out anybody, but just no. It's not just good all bad. I, here's, I thought about, I decided not to do it, but I wanted to at Cody and just be like, why? What, what is, what do you want to get across? You know, I, so I, I do, I like a little bit of pomp and circumstance that sure, like, absolutely. Is, like, it's cool to have some like theater to it and some tradition to like the spectacle. There is certainly a place for that in pro wrestling. Yes. Anyway. Yeah. But, like, but is he going to say like, I just want to say, I mean, I'm like cosplay or not cosplay. I'm like whatever in Cody now. Yeah. It's like, you know, if your answer is like, well, you know, we're just blessed to get to do this here in the greatest country on earth. It's like they wrestle fucking everywhere. It's not special to this country. Yeah. Not only that, like the only time that I've seen the national anthem work well in wrestling and you're going to expect me saying this is in Dragon Gate. Mm-hmm. They do it before the world title match. They do open the Dragon Gate title matches. Strong take, Mike. And I'm even... And and even with that, they even have moments that like people attack people during the national anthem. So it's not some fucking sacred thing. It's a part of the show. So it's just so corny. Dumb. It's corny. It's dumb, and it's a bad song. Yeah. If we had a better song, I would be much more okay with it. Like even the UK's theme, "God Save the Queen" or whatever, is just a better written song. Yeah. Nobody has any fondness for the melody of the national anthem. It's always long because people try to put their own take on it. No one wants to get the take because everyone wants to sit down if they're have if they choose to stand up. There are like sick. there's like a hundred more famously bad performances of the song than there are famously good. <laughs> there's like Whitney yes. Houston had one famously good one, and Marvin Gaye had one famously good one, and there's oh, like yeah. six famously bad ones you can take right off the top. The rest are like Fergie. Yeah. <laughs> Roseanne. Uh, I remember going to a University of Miami game with my dad, Go Canes, and he actually counted the seconds because this is before everyone was listening. He was like, oh, we got this done under under a minute. Great job, guys. And he immediately sat back down. It's like biggest waste of time. I'll just say that uh, to slightly steal and, and change a phrase, I wish we had a better national anthem, but that would take a better country. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway being the elite um where was i he's got the big fuck off big Oron master sword uh, and he approaches dustin with it um <laughs> and dustin uh, this whole time dustin was like walking extremely slowly toward a gym in the distance and you could tell he was slowing down to let mjf do all this comedic business um so he goes with them to the sword but 
ends up like cowering or, or, or chickening out, I should say. And like Justin turns around, he drops the sword. Uh, and Dustin's like, oh man, the, the Zelda competition is down the road. Uh, you look like that MJF guy. And MJF is like, nope, don't know who that is. Yep, uh, I'm here for the Zelda competition. Uh, the Zelda competition stuff was funny to me because it's a video game. Um, but yeah, this was like kind of, this was a kind of, it's funny to see the worlds of Dustin Rhodes and MJF interacting, I think. Um, Agree. Yeah, that was my main. I guess I guess the premise here was uh, MJF's going to be a good friend to Cody by taking out Dustin with a sword. I mean, that would have been interesting. That would have been more kind of lead up they've had into the match other than the promos. So yeah, but that sword looked blunt. Uh, you're not going to get much damage on there. All right. Now we've got another installment of the BTE mailbag. Um, they ask how many titles you're going to have or what sort of championships are we going to looking forward to. Uh, Nick says that he wants the titles to be simple and not have so many that they are meaningless. He would rather have fewer titles and make them prestigious. Uh, this seemed like a timely question and answer on a week where the WWE introduced their 16th title, at least. Except, except that he didn't answer the question. <laughs> I don't remember. I didn't write the question again. I just mean he didn't say how many they're going to have. Oh, well, yeah, they may have not decided yet. I didn't expect him to answer. You don't expect real answers here. All right. Uh, I expect the truth. Well, you're looking in the wrong place in the pro wrestling business. (laughs) All right. Uh, Kenny uh, has asked, you know, what maybe besides your own match are you most nervous about? Uh, And he says, really, he's not nervous about his own match. He's not nervous about other people's performance. He's really concerned about stuff like technical miscues and that all going off without a hitch. Fine answer. That that's relatable. I feel like that that might have been like the rare not work out of these mailbags. I mean, I don't blame him for that. I mean, we are live bomb during the golf tournament they did. Yeah, and that's it. Also makes sense. Like if you know when it's something you don't understand and it's not in your control, and you're more likely to be nervous about it. Maybe. All right. Uh, somebody asked Cody about pay per views in the UK and uh tv in the uk uh cody confirms that yes they will be doing pay-per-views in the uk as we talked about last week and he does a big wink wink and add to the point about weekly tv and says you'll have to ask itv if they're going to be doing weekly tv so um should also note on the full length jack whitehall interview with tony khan jack just casually says something about you know the show's going to be on itv and he doesn't mean the um specifically the pay-per-view and tony's like yeah you know we're gonna have the best distribution that they've ever had in pro wrestling even you know no other company has had distribution as good as us between tnt and itv so we can pretty much i think take it as confirmed that they're going to be on itv going forward all right um now we get the whole upfronts package this of course is the warner media tnt events where they make the announcements and do all the red carpet shit uh, so we've got the Bucks and Mrs. Matt uh, in the airport. Matt says that they've been sitting on this uh, little news announcement for a very long time. We get a classic BT travel montage of airport and airplane. Uh, then they're in the car on the way to the show. Kenny makes a joke about them being a t-shirt company. Yeah, a primetime t-shirt company. Um, then they're with Cody. They're checking out the tweet that the TNT drama account sent out. Matt says that they've been sitting on this news for a very long time for, I think, the third time in this segment. Uh, how do we feel about Kenny's like lavender hair here? Any thoughts on the the purplish color of his hair? Hate it. Yeah, it has very like 
midlife divorce guy energy. Oh, no. It's got very anime convention energy, I think. Mm. And I think it would have worked better if it was a darker color, maybe. I can see anime convention energy, but like anime convention where older guy is like started dating an 18 year old cosplayer energy. So, so like, yeah. It, and also his hair type, it just doesn't look that that kind of color just doesn't look great on. So yeah, it just looked weird, but yeah, definitely had old guy midlife crisis energy. I just think it, he didn't commit hard enough to lavender and it just kind of seems like a faint That's dye true. job to me. Yeah do it yeah i think he's got to go like full lavender rather than like a light lavender not my favorite all right now we have uh the red carpet procession and proceedings everybody's drinking from some white cups uh backstage of the tnt event except we uh, swing over and see adam page adam page is here also and he is drinking from the michael's secret stuff uh from space jam of course now we cut to Paige back at home. He's going through his mail. Uh, there's a bit here where he gets a letter from the Bureau of Consulate Affairs, um, but determines that it's been sent to the wrong address. My first thought was that this is a hint or a red herring about visa issues, but I think what this actually is is a Flip Gordon joke, and I think that Flip's excuse for missing Best of the Super Juniors was that uh, you know, one of his visa documents got lost in the mail. So I think they're making a little joke here about Flip and that Flip's visa stuff got sent to Adam Page by mistake. And he also gets a tape that's marked Hangy. Uh, and he, he he does a bit here where he takes this tape and he puts it in computer by opening his desk under his computer and putting it in the desk drawer and closing it. Uh, I missed this last time when he did this in the car, but this was funny to me, just the, uh, you know, brazen, breaking of the reality of the segment here because that's uh, how you would not watch a tape. Uh, and Cody sent him a video message. And Cody reveals that it was not Pac that put the video cameras in Adam Page's home. It was, in fact, he and the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick were the ones who sent him the Michael Jordan secret stuff. They have like <laughs> dramatic music playing here that really sounded like Chrono Trigger to me. Um, and Cody reveals that Brandy was in muscle fit and fitness. So just my wife is in muscle and fitness, just very funny line reads by Cody here where he's, you know, uh, diverting from the set, the segment to just talk about his wife being in the magazine. Um, and then Cody says, you did the work. You had the secret stuff all along. It's revealed that it was in fact a placebo, just like in space jam. Uh, and you know, he, he had the magic stuff inside him the whole time. He didn't need the anabolic steroids that Adam page thought he was taking. Uh, and then Cody reveals that he's wearing Adam page's t-shirt because he believes in him so much. He says, this is a fucking horse on my shirt. You're a horse. That line had me crack up. Like Cody's line reading this whole entire thing. Like, yeah. like, like just going off on tangents about his wife, talking about how he's a horse and horses have to run. Like it was great. Yeah, Cody delivered big time. This is why he gets all the funny shit on the show because he turns this into a funny segment. Uh, he, he says again, you know, go kick his ass, do the work. He talks about how do the work is his expression that he's been uh, pushing and other people are using it now, but he can't be mad about it. But he does want to get over the fact that I came up with this expression, which I don't know if that's strictly true. That seems like like a high school football expression going back in the work back back in the day rather or something. But very funny Cody action here. Uh, and now we get next. I thought it was a rock joke. Did I miss that? A rock joke? Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. 
No. Where? Where? Isn't that like a thing? Does that, he say that? I think so. Oh, okay. If he, I, I don't, you know, I don't do the Instagram or whatever, so I have no idea. But maybe joke. Okay. Uh, so we get an extreme close up on Hangman. He's fired up by Cody's pep talk. He's full gear ready. He takes off his street clothes and he's got his gear on underneath. He jumps in the car, and now they do a very funny segment. I thought where they cut back and forth from Paige traveling to Nottingham, England while Pac's promo is going on at the WrestleGate Pro Show. So you get the impression that Paige is making this trip, uh, you know, across continents really in the span of about a two-minute wrestling promo. So, uh, you know, Paige is screaming out the window, I'm a fucking horse! And he's wearing his gear. He's walking down the street in England in his gear with his bag. And we get Pac's Pro. He says, I'm undefeated in 20 months. Uh, and then, of course, we get the Adam Page entrance at this show. People went absolutely fucking bonkers for Adam Page here um, to make the surprise appearance at this indie show and show up to challenge Pac and pay off this build and, of course, get the match canceled. Um, so, yeah, this this whole ending from the Cody segment on was like one of the absolute better episodes they've done. Uh, and it was really too bad that they, you know, had to do this sort of scrambling stuff. But they made a nice little story about it, at least on this episode. Still would have rather had the the match and, and what they're building to with Pac and Kenny or who else. But uh, very funny uh, finale to this episode, I thought. Yeah, quick follow up on the Adam Page stuff. He did a tweet that I thought we should mention here uh, with a little graphic, uh, the full gear challenge graphic. And the tweet had some uh, text here. He says, after months of intense training, strict dieting, and regrettably supplementing my regimen with what I believe to be performance-enhancing drugs. It was apparently just water. The full gear challenge is now complete. I should have seen it all along. I was always full gear ready. Unfortunately, not everyone has EVPs to trick them into finding their self-confidence. To help them along, I will be auctioning off my full gear and Michael's secret stuff bottle, all autographed, and donating the proceeds to the National Eating Disorders Association. NEDA is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting individuals and families affected by eating disorders and serves as a catalyst for prevention, cures, and access to quality care. For more info on NEDA, visit nationaleatingdisorders.org. Let's all keep working to better ourselves, but never forget that you're always good enough for full gear. The sweet woke bay. I mean, absolutely a woke king. And just what a worker besides, you yeah. know, takes this, takes this storyline that could possibly be construed as bordering on you know some some insensitivity to people's you know health or workout issues or weight issues or whatever the case is and just turns it on his head and says nope uh, you know everything was good all along you get the right message at the end of the story and then he donates it to a charity just uh you know he's operating at a higher level of workmanship than most people in this business and wokemanship yeah workmanship and wokemanship <laughs> the adam page promise <laughs> Uh, all right well i, I guess that's bte <laughs> yeah i think that's the episode yeah hey uh transcribing elite i did make my patreon pledge this past week so join me it's patreon.com slash transcribing elite it's a, a thing set up by a friend of the show skeech 101 on twitter who is transcribing all being the elite episodes for folks with uh, hearing impairments so very good stuff. It's three bucks a month. I would strongly uh, suggest everybody uh, who can afford to drop three bucks a month on that uh, do it. Yeah. And one thing to be clear about this, 
he's offering this or they're offering this for free. This is, you don't pay the three dollars to get this. You're paying three dollars to help fund it. So if Great you're, point, Mike. I should have said yeah. that. But yeah, so it, it's a service for people who have who have listening to disabilities. So absolutely, take a look at that. And he's yeah. he's been doing it for free ever since he started it. Mm -hmm. And he's just hoping that enough people will donate to help him pay for the uh, what it takes to get it done transcribing. But yes, people who want to use it uh, don't have to pay anything for it. Yeah, um, and if this is, you know, if BT is going to be continuing forward as an official branch of the All Elite Wrestling Million Dollar brand, um, somebody should be doing that, you know, at the company in the first place. But we're not yeah. there quite yet, I don't think. Or be, we don't have that determination made quite yet. I don't think it's that hard to do. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has, has um, subtitles on all her Instagram stories. So, you know, I think it can be done. I mean, obviously she has some resources, but... Uh, this is a company with lots of money. I think it could be done. And I, also, I want to be clear in case it's not clear that we don't have any other connection to transcribing elite. We're not getting any money out of it or anything. It's just that Skeech is a friend of the show. And I think it is uh, a good thing. It can be helpful to people. Yeah, I have no connection to anyone or anything, just so that's clear. <laughs> yes. <laughs> independent uh, wrestling podcaster. That's all. Yeah, he doesn't actually do anything else. Nope. Okay, well, anything else to add, gentlemen? No, that's it. I'm excited to be in Vegas this time and Friday, ready to see the show. I'm me being the production person. I want to see what the production's like. And again, keep an eye on your podcast feed probably Saturday night or Sunday morning for something really cool coming your way. I'm really excited about it. I've been telling the guys about this for a while now, and it's cool that this will get pulled off. Yeah, I'm bummed I'm not going to be there. If it's anything like All In, it's meant to be consumed in person. So uh, it won't be the same experience on iPay-Per-View or however I consume it. Uh, but I'm looking, I'm excited. It's the start of something new. It's going to be cool. And hopefully it's going to bring a lot more uh, listeners to our show. So that's what I really care about. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm hoping it'll be good and, and justify our time investment here, especially this evening as we discussed a zillion different things for however long it's been. Um, and yeah I, yeah, I hope it delivers and i hope it uh, goes off without a big hitch or something so there's not just insufferable discourse on twitter for the next two weeks oh, god i don't know when we'll be back with our review show we haven't talked about that but presumably soon we'll come back and uh, tell you all what we thought sometime about sometime after the show i think yeah yes that's so, fair yes and probably sometime after mike gets back from vegas we will do that so everybody have a great holiday weekend enjoy the show Make sure you're following us on Twitter, obviously, at Everything AEW. Subscribe to the show either through our independent feed or through the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Uh, follow me at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. I think that's it for this week. So for Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time.
here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.